Welcome to the Rush Hour. Your daily dose of pop culture and entertainment news for your Rush Hour ride. Work sucks, but your commute doesn't have to. Buckle up and enjoy the drive with your host, stand-up comedian and power recapper, Dave Neal. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday morning to you, January 26th, 2024. We've made it to the final Friday of January, so this will be a fun one. We made it through the toughest month, the gloomiest weather. There was snow here in Tennessee. Now it's raining, but you know what? We've made it through, and it's all up from here. Actually, they do say that February is the most depressing month, but we'll try to make it good. We got the Super Bowl. We got stand-up shows. We got a lot of good things going on, Uh, so we'll barrel through that and just make our way to spring. Got a lot of content for you. Bachelor Joey was on Caitlin Bristow's podcast. I have yet to listen to all of it, but I'll share several clips of that. Plus, we've got Bachelor Science happening. We always love when science gets involved. Uh, the dating age, uh, or I should say the sort of uh, preferred dating age between bachelors and bachelorettes has been revealed. We'll have that story for you. Uh, we'll dabble in some politics, as we always like to just dabble, just the tip of politics. And we'll get into some other content, all that and more on today's episode. Uh, yeah, it looks like, and again, I'm, I'm, I've got that middle child energy where I'm able to, you know, listen to a podcast, pull out a clip and uh, generate warfare. And it looks like we'll have that with Bachelor Zach as he talks about how he freaked out at the idea of marrying Rachel Reckia. You, as an ex, you never want to find out that your former partner freaked out at the idea of staying with you. But hey, we love an honest king right there. All right, well, shall we dive right into it? Let's go. Here's Caitlin Bristow's trailer. And boy, are they getting good at these trailers. Here's her trailer for uh, her new episode with Joey. And I got to say, obviously, he's not allowed to share all the deets, right? We've only seen one episode so far. But either way, uh, he's doing a really good job with his media rounds. Let's hear what he had to say. I struggled. Did they fall in love with Joey the Bachelor? What was the timing between charity and filming for your season? What are you most nervous to watch back when it airs? I remember how scary it was getting out of that limo. Did you feel like you messed up at any point in the season? You've been put on this pedestal. How dramatic. Do you feel scared or nervous at all about coming back down to your humble reality and being like, I'm living on my sister's couch. Do you still love me? Let's set it straight. I'm on the couch. I've got a guest room. Do you think there's a clear, obvious bachelorette for next season? Are we going to be like rooting for someone so hard? Was there any bad kisses night one or were they all good? I'm so nervous to watch this entire season with my (laughs) facial expressions. I realized very quickly how much I can't really. uh, Yeah, I'm not good at holding that in. Man, I can't believe you got me to talk about that one. It was the poop your pants thing that brought it out. Wow, a poop your pants motion. Okay, that's always good to see. So anyway, you can go to Off the Vine to check out the full thing or stick around uh, for maybe the afternoon episode where we'll have more clips. Here's a nice little teaser. Uh, Caitlin Bristow loves to give her predictions for how the season's going to go. Of course, this is all un... Uh, you know, um, uh, there are no spoilers here. She doesn't know anyone. She's just going off of what we saw uh, week one. Have a listen. Give my prediction for top three. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Have you practiced your, like, 
face. I don't think I'm good at that, so I'm just gonna. I know drink. we I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna drink my uh, my mug, and you just <laughs> go ahead and give me your top three. Did you know you had facial expressions, or did you watch back and be like, "Oh, I don't hide anything"? I'm so nervous to watch this entire season with my <laughs> facial expressions. I realized very quickly how much I can't really. Uh, yeah, I'm not good at holding that in. Okay, I really liked Daisy. She's very sweet. I feel like she's the most wholesome little grows up on a Christmas tree farm. Yep. Like, she's like a Hallmark movie. I'm obsessed. Okay, I liked Lexi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Leia, I love how she handled the card because yep. her soft little sensitive soul, she, like, really took it seriously. I would have been like, yeah! Right, right. Woo! <laughs> but she, like, threw it in the fire. And... Okay, so I really like her because that card given to the wrong person could have... That card scared me. I didn't know what she was going to do with yeah. it, but I knew in that moment all I could do is try to comfort her because I saw how much it was affecting her. Yeah, bless her sweet oh, little soul. I felt so bad, but like, yeah, that's card, that was a scary card. How would you have handled that if you got that card on charity season? So, you know, I mean, a lot of people said, oh, this was a big bust. You know, the card basically uh, made it so that she could steal a one-on-one date. I don't think that was a big bust at all. I mean, they, it created drama. It had this moment where she kind of positioned herself as a champion of the ladies by not taking it. I don't know. I thought it was perfectly fair the way that was all handled. As far as who uh, Joey picks, uh, I'm more concerned with what this, uh, well, like what happens at the final you know, ceremony there. He said there's going to be something that he thinks has never happened before. Now, what that means, we're going to have to see. It could be something like, well, so-and-so sneezed while I proposed. You know what I mean? But hopefully that, hopefully it has some sort of payoff. All right. Well, speaking of payoffs, we've got Zach Shell Cross on the podcast called A New Untold Story, or I guess they call it ANUS for short, A-N-U-S. It's a couple bros doing bro things. I mean, living the bro dream. They're all sitting in comfy chairs, chit-chatting. Here's what he had to say. When did you get eliminated? What round? Uh, I was, I self-eliminated. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best thing you could do. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 Self-eliminated, it's suicide. Is, is it because <laughs> like you knew you were, is like, is it like resigning? Yeah, it's basically. You knew you were fucked or? Well, like what's next after that stage that, you know, I left, I was like, it's, it's either engagement or not. And can I see myself getting engaged right. with that person? I couldn't at that moment. I was like, there's no way it's us. Like I, you just know that feeling of, you know, if this is your person or not. Uh, not, not it. Not it. I was okay. like, I got to get the hell out. Like, Respect. I was freaking out. And you, did you cry on camera? Oh, fuck, ton of times. I, all right. So there he is. He says, I got to get the F out. Uh, you, you know, for sure, I'll be covering this on today's YouTube channel uh, because we got some great clickbait right there. Hey, it doesn't count as clickbait if it's real. I mean, he said it. He was freaked out. I got to get the F out. Now, the question is, and we still don't know, what went down in the fantasy suite with Zach Shall Cross and Rachel Recchia? We will never know. I don't think we'll ever know. Maybe, maybe one day we can get Zach mic'd up, maybe get him a few beers. Hey, maybe we'll go on Driving with Dave and we'll do one of those drive through daiquiri places in New Orleans and see if he'll tell us what the deal is. I have to say, let's talk about ending the week on a high note. Bachelor Rush Hour has cracked the code once again into the top 200 of society and culture. At number 184, it has risen 16 points on the charts. Folks, I got to tell you this. Uh, This is 100% because of your support, your subscribing, your sharing on Instagram, buying merchandise, liking, reviewing, commenting. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. And we're going to be back with some science on how the Bachelor and Bachelorette confirm evolutionary theories of partner selection. We'll have that right after the break. Uh, All right. We've got this article. When biology takes over, TV formats like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette confirm evolutionary theories of partner selection. Introduction. In this study, we investigated the impact of age on mate selection preferences in males and females and explored how the formation and duration of committed relationships depends on the sex of the person making the selection method. To this end, we utilize data from the television dating shows The Bachelor and Bachelorette. In these programs, either a single man, bachelor, or a woman, bachelorette, has the opportunity to select a potential long-term partner from a pool of candidates. Our analysis encompassed a total of 169 seasons from 23 different countries, beginning with the first airing in 2002. Here are the results. We found that the likelihood of the final couple continuing their relationship beyond the broadcast was higher in The Bachelorette than in The Bachelor, although the duration of these relationships was not significantly influenced by the type of show. On average, women were younger both when selecting their partner and when being chosen, However, men exhibited a greater preference for larger age differences than women. Furthermore, the age of the chosen male partners significantly increased with the age of the bachelorettes, whereas bachelors consistently favored women around 25.5 years old, regardless of their own age. I think that part's the most interesting, that bachelors chose women 25.5 years old, regardless of their age. Uh, So then they discuss the findings within the context of parental investment theory and sexual strategies theory. Well, that seems like out of my pay grade to talk about. But I think what's interesting here is that, um, uh, you know, there's a bias, obviously, to who is selected to be on the show. The show has gotten younger and younger. And so maybe it's not so much that men are men on the show are choosing younger women or women of a greater age difference, but maybe it's just that younger women are more available to do the show. Same thing with younger men. I mean, the older you get, the more successful you get. You probably don't want to be on the show. You don't want to take off time for work. So obviously, like any study that's done, you have to look at all the different variables. And so often I feel like we, and there's always a bias that exists, but so often I feel uh, like these variables are not looked at to say, well, are you looking at the casting directors and the people in charge of picking who's going to be on the show? Maybe they pick people in their 20s because they're more dramatic, because parts of their brain are being done developed and they're easier to man- manipulate. And then maybe the older, you know, more successful women don't fall into the games. And if you don't play into the games, then you, then the casting or the producers, I should say, aren't going to have you be selected for the dates because they want to select people that are going to be good TV. You know what I mean? There's always so much to talk about there, but either way, very interesting. Hey, why don't we piggyback um, onto a, and speaking of piggybacking, why don't we piggyback into another science article on Nat Geo? Scientists have cleared a significant hurdle in the years-long effort to save Africa's northern white rhinoceros from extinction with the first ever rhino pregnancy using in vitro fertilization. The lab-assisted pregnancy involved implanting a southern white rhino embryo in a surrogate mother named Kura. 
The surrogate mother died three months into her 16-month pregnancy from an unrelated bacterial infection, but the successful embryo transfer and early stages of pregnancy paved the way for next applying the technique to the critically endangered northern white rhino. Very fascinating stuff. I didn't know I would be talking about rhino um, in vitro uh, fertilization, but here we are, folks. This is the life I chose, and you as well. All right, let's dip from pop culture and talk briefly about some news that uh, might reach a, you know an interesting climax today, and that being the federal versus state battle at the border happening right now. I'm going to play this clip for you, and then I'll give you my opinion. Some of you will give me a one-star review. Some of you will love me, but either way, how about some credit for tackling some difficult conversations? Have a listen. A border showdown is brewing in Eagle Pass, Texas right now. A huge hub for illegal border crossings. There is a standoff that is underway between the federal government, which wants the razor wire that Texas put in place there to protect its own state. They say it has to go. And Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott says he will not. The Biden administration has now given him a deadline of tomorrow to allow Border Patrol access to the area. It's called Shelby Park. Essentially setting up a confrontation potentially between federal agents and the Texas National Guard. Wow, crazy stuff. So by end of the day today, and again, this is important for for all of us in the United States here, but by the end of the day today, we might see federal agents uh, storming into Texas and having some sort of standoff with state agents. Absolutely wild, regardless of where you stand on this opinion. I think, uh, I think using barbed wire to prevent uh, people from coming in uh, is barbaric, not necessarily because that's the tool used, but because it's like in the water, right? And people are dying, and, uh, you know, people and, and kids are dying and they're getting tangled up in this stuff and they're doing and they're still they're still risking to come into our country because they're coming in some cases from a much worse off place. Well, some of these places they're coming from are worse off because of the own interference of our go- government. So I'm not going to be the first to say that the federal government is more competent than state government, but I will say I'm interested to see how this all ends. As far as uh, 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 things you don't wish to happen, I have to say a war between state officials and federal officials is essentially the beginning of a civil war in one way or another. Uh, We'll have to see who backs down. You, You have something like 20 states all now siding with Texas. It's really come down to are you a red state or a blue state? I mean, and I hate that it's convoluted into something like that because it should be a crisis that we all look at with more empathy in our country. But I understand when you use empathy, people will take advantage of that. So if you're wondering where I stand on this issue, I think there needs to be more money put into uh, trying to uh, uh, do immigration the right way. And that doesn't mean let everybody in all at once, which I don't believe is happening. But what it means is fix the problem leading up to the border. You know what I mean? The border is a Band-Aid regardless on how you look at it. And the and the, the reason why people aren't flooding into the United States from the north is because they're doing better than some people that are coming in from the south. 
So let's look at why things aren't going well in some of the countries in the South. Again, a lot of it the U.S. is doing, and let's fix that. But again, in the meantime, is setting up a shoddy, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, chain chain border the way to do it in a river where people are dying? You know, I don't think so. As far as the idea of being pro-life, you would hope anyone that is pro-life doesn't want to see people dying cruelly and without real reason. All right, I know, I know, it's a tough one to talk about, but I'm very interested to see what goes down today. Now, could this just be the news um, stoking up the fear and it's not going to be that aggressive? Absolutely, but um, you know, as far as states' rights and federal rights go, it's literally the same stuff they argued over, obviously, in a different context in the Civil War. All right, I know. All right, let's get into something else. I just lost one of you guys, but uh, hey, this is something worth knowing about. And if anyone out there wants to keep their head in the sand, hey, I respect that, but at the same time, we got to talk about these big issues. Storm Reed is back to the University of South Carolina after winning an Emmy. She said, I'll always be a student. Yeah, you and Van Wilder. I wish I could be a student except for the debt part. But we'll have what she has to say right after this. As promised, Storm reads at the top of her game in Hollywood, especially after winning an Emmy, but that doesn't make her above anyone else on campus. Yes, she's still in school. Here's what she had to say. You just won uh, an Emmy. Yes, I and did. It's got to feel incredible. Uh-huh. But I want to know. You go, you go back to school, you go back to college. Yes. It, are, is things different at school, you know? Like when you're just walking around, like you got, you got the hardware now. Is, it, is, yeah. is things different? Uh, People are just really happy and excited for me. Um, you know, people, I think, are a little bit more comfortable with saying things now on campus, now that I have the Emmy, but things haven't changed. People are proud, people are um, excited for me, so it's a cool feeling. So a lot of people coming up to you giving, like, yeah, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. And like, you know, I'll be walking to class or on my scooter, and somebody will say congratulations, so it's really fun. I love that you just, you, you're still on the scooter. <laughs> still keeping it uh-huh. you know just just you yeah. i love that yeah you have to you know i mean i get the best of both worlds and i'm blessed to be able to balance both so it's pretty fun okay i gotta ask because you're doing you're obviously in you have teachers teaching you about dramatic arts and you're like yo yeah. hold up i might know something a little something uh-huh. about this yeah Are, do, do, does that teacher dynamic change at all in, the, in that respect no i mean I, i'm always going to be a student so whether i know the information you're you're teaching me or not um I've learned that a lot of the stuff that I've learned at USC is some of the stuff that I've already known or or some of the stuff that I've already like, you know, put into practice in my craft. But, you know, you get different perspectives from different people. So So there it is. Imagine that going to school with someone who just won an Emmy and you're like, all right, whose scene partner should I be? Should I be a scene partners with the dude who can't make eye, you know, say, or should I be scene partners with the Emmy award winner? And that was for her role in HBO's The Last of Us. Outstanding Guest Actress Award in a Drama. Not too shabby. All right, here's what I'm going to be talking about today in one of our videos. New uh, motions in the oceans, known as the Jane Doe v. Clayton Eckerd case, have surfaced. Uh, Order. Petitioner's motion to dismiss the petition. By the way, petitioner is Jane Doe. Her motion to dismiss the petition to establish paternity, legal decision-making, parenting time, and child support with prejudice are 
denied. That means, and I could be wrong, so we're going to discuss this a little bit later today with uh, you know some more legal takes. The court is saying sh- her motion to end this, like her, you know, Jane Doe basically said, "All right, now that I'm no longer pregnant, we should just uh, call this thing quits." Move it on, folks. Let's get rid of this court case. Nothing to see here. Well, the judge says, no, no, not so fast. So it looks like the uh, that order or that proposed order is denied. But what the court is now saying is that they are going to push back the date. So here's what they say. The court grants the motion to extend the dismissal deadline until May 31st of 2024, just to make sure they're able to, I guess, to get in the time to figure out who's going to foot the bill here. The court will set an evidentiary hearing on the issue of sanctions and attorney fees by separate minute entry. All parties representing themselves must keep the court updated with address changes. Of course, we'll have to see if this lawyer even makes it that far. It's wild to think that a full year after this blowy happened, it's still going to be in the court system. So where there's a lot of legal things here that I don't understand. I know a little bit more about the system now than I did five months ago. I'll tell you that much. But with regards to what's what here, um, is this a win for Clayton? Well, it's a win that the case wasn't dismissed. You know, there was a st- relatively strong case from Jane Doe. Uh, I'm no longer pregnant, therefore the case should go away, you know? But because, and again, this is what this is why a good lawyer helps, right? Because Clayton's legal team wanted to enter a motion to talk about who's going to pay for this whole thing, the, the case can't just go away because now there's the financial aspect of it. So it seems that they're, they're no longer needing to prove paternity, which... I don't know if that's true or maybe there were several different motions that talked about paternity. So I'm not even really sure what that means. But in my in my estimation, that means that Clayton will not get that proof that he was never the father, which really sucks if you ask me. But, and again, I could be wrong, but because they've pushed the deadline for this case, that allows more time for discovery, which the only way for discovery right now is, well, you've got the deposition of Jane Doe, which again, she was trying to push back. You're going to have the deposition of Clayton Eckerd, but also they subpoenaed for Amazon. They're asking Amazon to reveal the records of like 10 different email addresses that they believe Jane may have used, which by the way, they did not include Chase J. Jones. I think they should include that in their subpoena. Maybe I can, uh, you know, uh, fly a homing pigeon over to Wood Nick Law and say, hey, 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 check in on Chase J. Jones at gmail.com. See what they're all about. Because, I mean, imagine if they ended up buying a, a baby bump suit. Wouldn't that be odd? Uh, so more is to come. Will this case crack wide open? Will there be a smoking gun? That's what everybody's wondering. You know, if there is one, it'll be hidden somewhere. Uh, like I said, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, internet. In the interwebs, will you know? And we're gonna find out if they if they if they do get you know evidence from her Amazon. And again, she could have bought a prosthetic belly outside of Amazon, but you know they can't just be subpoenaing random shops. You know, going to um you know Bed Bath and Beyond. Do you sell baby bumps at Bed Bath and Beyond? Oh yeah, we all you need is a twenty percent discount coupon. It's the size of a sheet of paper. You know, you, you get those discount. If everything's twenty percent off, I'm pretty sure nobody's paying for it. Anyway, 
Uh, will they find it? Won't they? We will be covering this, and I'll have more content on that today along with some of these other wild stories. So make sure to check out the YouTube channel. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That's the way we climb in the charts. And the fact that our little tribe here that's been following this court case uh, has been able to push us from, you know, 200 plus uh, on the charts on uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts to now, uh, you know, 180. I mean, that's a big deal. To crack 100 would be huge, but we're not getting, uh, you know, uh, we're not getting greedy here. Uh, where, where we are right now is absolutely huge for a first-year podcast. So thank you guys all so, so much for that. Take a victory lap on that one. I'll see the Patreon at 12 p.m. Central Time. I'll be there for my live stream later today. And we've got so much more coming up. Tomorrow, I'll be interviewing a local comedian about uh, what the stand-up comedy scene is like in Nashville. You're going to love that episode. That will be on the podcast and also on the Dave Neal Show on YouTube. All right, well, have a fantastic day. Go make some money, and we'll be back later. I'm Dave Neal, and this is The Rush. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, don't. Join the free Facebook group, Dave Neal's Community. Got cash? Become a premium member at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. Link in the description below. And don't forget to follow Dave on Instagram at dneals for upcoming stand-up shows. See you tomorrow on The Rush. Come <laughs> on.